0: On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Eric Steckling from Brio Product Group. What an awesome conversation that we had. Uh, They have been around doing this since 2014. One of the main ways that they have grown is through YouTube affiliates and influencers. And we walk step-by-step how to identify these influencers, uh, where they are, what to give them, all of that kind of stuff. You guys are not going to want to miss this episode. If you are a mid seven-figure brand and above, listen up. Are you struggling with ads this year? Uh, How about growth in general? What about profitability? Supply chain issues got you down? You are not alone. As a brand owner myself, I totally get this. iOS 14 has ravaged many smaller brands. The good news, our clients at Upgrowth and the brands that we own have not been touched. Don't get me wrong. We had to fight to figure out how to advertise effectively in a post-surveillance ad world. But we learned some incredible lessons along the way, and we want to share some of those lessons with you. So go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow to apply for a free growth plan today so we can show you what is working in a post-iOS 14.5 world. Again, that is www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow. Now, on to today's episode. Someone on my team thought I either had superpowers or woke up at 5am to crunch client numbers. Turns out, I just used Triple Whale. Yeah, that's what one of their customers said, and he may be onto something. No one has to know the secret weapon to your success is Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform built to accurately pinpoint your ad spend across networks, making you look like the smartest person in the room. Their robust app helps you clarify your campaign's performance so you can run smarter, faster, more effective ad spends in real time and reap the rewards. Are you a genius? Only one way to find out. Guys, want to take Triple Whale for a spin? Stop by triplewhale.com slash upgrowth and use promo code UPGROWTH for 15% off. Now onto today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today, I am joined by fellow mountain biker and e-commerce store owner, Eric Steckling from Brio Product Group. Eric, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand.
1: Hi Jordan, thanks for having me.
0: We've talked for about 10 minutes now about mountain biking, so now we're going to get into I, it. And uh... Time to cut that short. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And start start talking about some of the stuff that you guys are here to listen to and learn from today. Eric, for people who don't know anything about you or anything about Brio, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you guys do.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I guess to kind of keep this simple, you know, myself, I think I got into this because I decided at one point that, you know, my goal in life or the thing that I wanted to do was sort of be an inventor, so I come from a background of always building and making things. You know, growing up with like workshop. You know, being a, a carpenter among other things. So you know, I knew to kind of. To kind of go down that path, having an understanding of you know manufacturing things, bringing products to market, and then probably most importantly, selling and in, in marketing, like that's absolutely necessary for anyone who wants to kind of bring their own idea uh, to market. So that was kind of my initial you know motivation, and then you know at the time this was back in 2014, you know really starting to learn about e-commerce and just seeing a lot of opportunity there. That's kind of what made me you know jump in with both feet. So uh, I guess a little more about Brio. So we started with a sonic toothbrush. So we are makers of personal care tools. So starting with kind of the oral care stuff and then getting into the trimmers and now kind of, you know, having a, a couple lines where we're, we're starting to get into more of the hair tools, you know, trimmers, and then also expanding the, the oral care line.
0: Awesome. Eric, you know, the first thing that comes to mind when when thinking about this is like, what gave you the thought and and even the word uh, I'll use is like the audacity to go into markets like that that are dominated by, you know, P&G and these huge players in there. What made you think that you could get in there and somehow get a foothold?
1: Yeah. So that's a great question. Cause you know, again, starting with the sonic brush for me, it was personal. Cause that's a product category that I've always liked, you know, so my very first sonic brush was an Altrio, which no longer exists. And what, what
0: is a sonic brush? Like what exactly can you explain to me where exactly that fits?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, there's a few types of electric toothbrushes, ranging from the ones you put a battery in at the bottom and it kind of has a little bit of movement. But the main two styles are sort of an oscillating brush, like an Oral B, where it kind of moves back and forth like this, and then a sonic brush where it's solely vibration. So, Mm. you know, kind of after trying a couple of those, you know, people have different preferences. Like, there are people who say they like the oscillating brush more. You know, most dentists seem to favor the sonic style. I think it works and feels a little bit better. So, yeah, in terms, of you know the audacity to you know to compete there i think there's always room for improvement with product categories. And, and, and maybe even if it's from a brand, it, you know, customer support, customer service perspective, because, you know, you, you have a good point. At the time, Sonicare does have some good products, like some that I would even recommend, but there's also a lot of room for improvement, you know, when it comes to cost and availability of brush heads and, you know, battery life and some other things. So, you know, and it should be a big market because everyone brushes their teeth, right? You know, <laughs> Most people have teeth. <laughs> Most people have teeth, so that's a good angle. You know, I, although to this day, I would say that not enough people use a sonic brush. So, you know, if you're listening, you got to try it. it. It works better.
0: I know. I'm, I'm trying to think about my own uh, like oral care routine here. I'm like, I use an oral B one. Like, what am I missing here with the sonic brush? I, maybe this is something I, I need to try.
1: Yeah. And, and it's funny because a really good friend of mine was in that same boat. And he was like, you know, why, why do I need that? I really like the one I have. And then like, it literally took a couple of years later. I think I gave him one or got his hands on one. He was like, oh yeah, okay, that's better. I like, you know, I like that better. So
0: so 20, 2014, you guys started and you decided to go direct to consumer. What was the thought there? And walk me through what the first few years of that looked like going yeah. to market with a, a product that I'm assuming is was mostly a product that was in retail and wasn't highly in the direct to consumer world. Talk to me
1: about that. It was an interesting process. So, I mean, a couple things to touch on really from your last question too is the competitiveness. So, like, I feel like now there's so many more direct-to-consumer, you know, electric toothbrushes than there were back then, you know. So, back then, you're right. There really wasn't much. But to be honest, where we really got started was Amazon, you know, again, Mm. because I'm coming from a background of kind of a product person, you know, someone who understands manufacturing and circuit boards and stuff like that. And having no knowledge of how to drive people to a website, so you know, for me, that's really where the learning curve was. And the good thing about Amazon at the time is all you had to do was show up. You know, so you show up, you get a get a little bit of PR, a couple articles here there. You know, the SEO part of it was huge, is huge, really, for Amazon. It's like, how are you going to rank for keywords? Yeah, and that was it. That's all you had to do was sort of be there. Obviously, we know that's changed.
0: That has changed substantially. So walk me through what your marketing mix looked like as you started to move, you know, away from predominantly Amazon and started to move into into other channels. And and walk me through what some of that marketing that started to work and, and has kind of propelled you guys since.
1: For sure. Yeah. So there was a an early on engagement that was like really kind of a turning point for us. So You know, as the frustrations with Amazon started mounting, we're looking like, oh, you know, let's really get our website going and and focus there. That's when we really first started focusing on that kind of digital marketing effort. And we had reached out to and got included in an article from a website that I don't even know exists much anymore it's called like electric shaver guide and so you know he did this right up you know the, and this was with the trimmer kind of talking about where this product fits and and whatnot and we saw how much traffic that could drive to the website and it was a, a real learning curve because like with amazon you know you don't have to do anything but you also have zero control So I learned really early on from that was like, wow, we can actually like drive way more sales to our own site than just sitting back and relying on Amazon keywords to work for us. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, from that point on, I mean, we're definitely focused on the PR, the affiliate articles. And then our next step was really getting into kind of the, the YouTube influencer stuff, which has been and, you know, since has been the vast majority of our sites traffic. That is super interesting to me,
0: Eric. Let's dissect what exactly is working there because, you know, from people that I've talked to, there's not a lot of people that are using YouTube influencers that are using YouTube, especially in the D2C space. There's there's a few brands, you know, that have been on the podcast. Patrick Cadere Designs has done an incredible job of this uh, with their rings, a really great job on YouTube. But I really haven't seen a ton of people absolutely like driving the majority of their traffic from YouTube. Can you walk me through how that worked? And then I'm going to be asking you like a billion questions about this because I really want to make this tactical for other brands if they are considering this as another traffic source.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, to that point, you know, as a listener of many e-com podcasts, I feel like it's really easy to hear something and, and to hear about a strategy, but then try and understand how that's going to work for your brand because you know each brand and company is so different when it comes to you know size of the market, AOV, like just so many metrics that like you know not every strategy is right for everyone. So I like just stopping there for a second. I'd say a really quick test, and this is probably true for like any product, but if you can give someone your product. And have them use it and have their response be something along the lines of, wow, this is great. I'm going to tell my friends about it. Like, to me, it, it always has to start with the product being able to do that. Otherwise, yep. no influencer or affiliate will ever want to say that on their channel. So, like, yep.
0: <laughs> you know, them- because their reputation is on the line as well with these products, right? If they're known as somebody who's just going to take any product and tell you about it, then obviously people aren't going to trust them, right? And trust is like, the highest form of currency when it comes to influencing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think I got away from myself a little bit there, but in terms of how it works, I mean, I can can talk about that a lot. We've been really around the block when it comes to working with influencers and affiliates. It is hard, it is hard to scale. To me, it's also really kind of about relationships. Our best people are people we have been working with for years. And I think another kind of spin on this is like, you can look at it like you're spending marketing dollars or paying someone, but another way to look at it is an alternate content strategy, right? Instead of like turning a camera on, on us or our own channels, it's just flipping that a little bit and it's still content, it's just different.
0: This month's sponsor is Triple Whale. Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform clarifies your ad performance across marketing channels, keeping you instantly in the know. Go to triplewhale.com slash upgrowth and use promo code upgrowth for 15% off today. Now back to today's episode. So, how do you find these affiliates and influencers that want to potentially work with you? What does the reach out process look like? That are you using a certain tool these days? What's
1: the most efficient and effective way of doing that? We have tried a lot of tools. <laughs> uh, we've wasted a lot of money on a lot of tools, and to be honest, right now we're doing it manually. Okay, we have internal people that are managing that in terms of searching and outreach and you know like i said it's got to be personal like it, the outreach has to be personalized you've got to have a reason for connecting with them you've got to show them how they're going to value from the or benefit from the relationship so yeah that's i wish i had a better answer <laughs> i think that's- No what. no
0: no i think manual is sometimes the best answer right it's it's like you realize like oh yeah this is something that cannot be automated, right? I think relational things can't be automated. That's mm-hmm. that's very difficult if you're trying to build a relationship up with somebody. They're not a robot that's just going to, you know, robotically read out your ad read. This is somebody sure. who you actually and, want to care about your product.
1: Yeah. And this is where I think like the value of the product plays in too, because if you're, you know, a brand selling a $20 product, it's going to be a lot different than, you know, that bike company I heard you talking to the other day where it's a $4,000 yeah. product you know, and then because then that that carries a lot of weight, you know, like, wow, you're going to give me one of those things. Like, you know, it changes the story. So that factors in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, are you giving the affiliates and the influencers any sort of direction on where you want them to go with it? Or are you just giving it to them and letting them do whatever they want with it?
1: I think you absolutely have to give them some direction. If it's, you know, talking points, explanation of the brand or brand values. Yeah. And they're looking for that too. They, you know, if you get a box, something shows up, you don't know anything about it. And it's a, it's a burden on them to try and figure that all out. Obviously they have their own opinions in terms of the use and how it works and all that. And, you know, we love hearing that feedback too, but you have to you have to give them some information.
0: Let's go back to identifying influencers here. What does the process look like? Like, are you guys searching on YouTube? Are you searching Google just to try to find these people? Are these like, are you lo- looking for like, like oral care influencers or, or I'm assuming maybe it's a little bit more broad. What can you walk me through the identification? Cause I'm, I'm really interested. I'm actually just interested for myself and everyone else can just learn from me. Yeah.
1: yeah <laughs> they don't, they don't have to listen or, or know anything about this. <laughs> No, that's that's a good question. So a really big probably thing to talk about is the fact that we have been very focused on YouTube. You know, early on. Well, think about this. The amount of work and effort it takes to get someone just even interact, like get a response, you know, like get them a product, whatever. An Instagram post isn't going to do it you know, like it's not going to move the needle on our end. So like we've really kind of avoided Instagram only people just knowing that like either it's a constant battle to try and get them to create more content, you know, and and then like the content they create doesn't have any lasting effect. So, you know, we've been really more on the YouTube side, like way into titles and content that is helpful for people and that will index and search. And, And the thing is like, I mean, we have video, we have YouTube videos that drive traffic for years, years and years will drive traffic from you know, the same videos. So it's like, it makes it a lot easier to keep going if that's the case, rather than trying to reinvent, you know, your whole roster of of Instagram people every couple of months. So for us, YouTube's always been a focus for that reason, you know, to a less extent, blog articles and like, you know, PR kind of type articles, they can have that same effect too. You know, the interesting one I think that's next up is TikTok in trying to understand. I was just
0: about to ask. I'm like, where, where does that fit into all of this? It's like like the mini YouTube almost, you know?
1: For for sure. So we've you know become active in that channel, really active in the last couple months. You know views are so much easier to get. And this sounds funny, but like so we've got a new video editor, younger guy, obviously, who's familiar and understands the platform and uses it and gets it. And he actually said the other day, which just like kind of blew my brain a little bit, but that he knew people that would actually search TikTok for content topics, like for example, how to tie a tie or you know, how to like tie a bow tie, something like that, where yeah. you're actually looking for an answer on TikTok. I, probably you and I would never, ever think of doing that, but people are. We're too old, Eric. Like, I go, I go to like, YouTube. YouTube's <laughs> the cool one to go to. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm too too young for Facebook and, or too old. Yeah. Well, let me think here. So I'm too uh, young for Facebook, too old for TikTok. So I'm, I'm stuck yeah. in YouTube land, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. What I've been a little bit surprised with is the tail on like the views and the ramp of TikTok videos is a little longer than I thought it would be in terms of you have a video that takes off, like it can keep getting views for, I mean, at least a few weeks.
0: Yeah. It so different than, the,
1: than an Instagram
0: post or, or any of that, right? Like
1: yeah. So we, I mean, we've never really had much success with Instagram, to be honest, you know, but that, that's us. I know plenty of brands that that have, you know, if you have something that's super shareable and like, you know, included in the kind of selfie mentality, whether it's things like, you know, accessories or sunglasses or anything like those things are really a lot more Instagram friendly. People don't want to take pictures of brushing their teeth. <laughs> So I mean, they, I guess that they, they could, <laughs> uh, Eric, I got to ask you the question. I
0: ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what is your secret to scaling?
1: So, I mean, this an interesting question. I'd say like my mindset has always been give yourself as many chances as you possibly can. And, mm. and I think this kind of came early on from like the idea of launching products on Amazon. It's like, don't do anything that's going to like ruin yourself if it doesn't work. So by doing that, you're sort of buying at bats, right? So yeah, yeah. you get to the plate, you take a swing, you know, you're not always going to hit a home run. We know yeah. that. And make sure if you foul out or whatever, that it's, it's not going to uh, destroy the company. So I'd say, you know, think about it from that perspective of giving yourself as many chances as you can.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that idea. We, we talk about that with our content teams all the time. It's just like, they're like, well, oh, what content should we put out? Well, hey, let's, why don't we come up with 40 ideas? <laughs> and, and one of those 40 is probably going to stick. And it's yeah. probably going to be a good idea. But it, if it, I gave you four ideas, I'll bet you none of those would stick.
1: Maybe absolutely. it would. but in, in the bad thing about the, this whole content production thing is that you have to actually do all 40 ideas. <laughs> you yes. can't get yes. the corner and be like, oh, well, you know, here's the four that are going to work. It's like, no, you, you actually have to do them all. So that's And that's no production. automation
0: software is going to help
1: you with that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. In fact, like really this year, 2022, that we've put probably all, I don't say all, but like the majority of our marketing time and effort into developing and scaling our process to create and output content. Wow.
0: Wow. It's super interesting. I mean, that's definitely the one hire that I'm seeing people make. We're making it in all of our brands. We're doubling down at Upgrowth Commerce, our agency, into being, you know, really content heavy because uh, I know as a brand owner as well, that that's what I want. (laughs) I want people to just give me content and me to say approved. You know, yeah. that's really, as a brand owner in 2022, it's like, that is the golden ticket right now. For sure. Eric, I got three more questions ready for you. Are you ready?
1: Sure. Yeah, let's do it. All
0: right. First question, favorite tool or app that you're using right now?
1: Yeah. So I I, I think the easy easy way out would be to say something like Clavio or SMS. But what I'm going to say is this app called Inquire, which is uh, does post-purchase surveys. And we use this for attribution. So you know, attribution has been a thorn in, in our side for years. I'm sure everyone, you know, has that same feeling. It's a simple question. Where do you first hear about us? Uh, post-checkout, we get a, a really high level of response. I think like maybe 60% of people actually respond to it. And it's a great way to check against all your other attribution methods and, and try and, you know, gain some clarity on what's going on there. Awesome,
0: awesome. Love the guys over at Inquire. We've had them on the podcast. Uh, and uh, and then the alternative is also NoCommerce, KNO Commerce. That's the one that we use. Very similar tools, very similar products. Uh, they're both kind of building up right at the same time. So I highly recommend, guys, if you are not using post-purchase uh, surveys, <laughs> just end this episode no. and go, go download one of those two, because it is absolutely essential, especially in this you know, cookieless future that that we're living in. You you must know these things from your customers. Second question for you, Eric. Favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now?
1: Yeah, so let me go with the books. I've been really heavy into psychology related books. It's been mm. like kind of my go to. Mindset by Carol Dweck was was one that really made the list of something to recommend.
0: Oh, awesome. Awesome. That's great. And we'll make sure to put that link in the show notes as well. Uh, Eric, last question for you. If you could sit down with anybody, you get an hour with them, they
1: have to be alive. It cannot be Elon
0: Musk. Who would it be?
1: Well, I'd probably have to choose number two then, go with Bezos. You know, I think it's what, what I think a lot of business owners struggle with is focus. And from the outside, when you look at someone like Elon or Bezos, it appears they have zero focus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, you know, you see you see people like, you know, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett saying like, hey, focus is the most important thing. So I would love a little insight into exactly how that works in terms of, you know, having a, starting with a vision for a, a marketplace, essentially, and then really ending up somewhere very, very different from a marketplace when it comes to, you know, the, the Amazon brand. Yeah. Awesome. Eric, so
0: great to have you on the podcast. Where can people connect with you and then also connect uh, with Brio?
1: Yeah. Uh, you can reach me, Eric, at BrioPG.com. And you know our website, uh, also same thing, BrioPG.com. I'm not huge into social channels. Personally, I really abstain from that. So don't try and hit me up on, over there because I'm not there.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, Eric, thank you again so much for your time today.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.